We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We're recording this episode on Wednesday, March 23rd. It's been a busy week as free agency. Uh, it's kind of slowed down a bit, but the NFL never sleeps, say We still have a, a lot to talk about here today. Um, first, covering our wide receivers as we continue our preview series for uh, the 2022 NFL Draft, but also... There's a lot of news going on for wide receivers in the NFL in general. It seems like a lot of these guys are moving all over the place. Devontae Adams uh, being traded recently. Tyree Kill being traded today. So we, we're going to be talking about that uh, to kind of preview things before we get into our wide receivers for the 2022 NFL draft. But first of all, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. Obviously, you know, a lot going on just over the last week. And it's kind of crazy because – Everybody kind of went into the NFL offseason expecting that one of the biggest dominoes to fall and one of the major dominoes to be traded were going to be some of the quarterbacks because no one knew what was going to go on with Aaron Rodgers. And all of a sudden, surprise, surprise, you see Russell Wilson get traded. But then days after Russell Wilson gets traded, Devontae Adams is on the move. Tyreek Hill's on the move. And just the outlook of the 2022 draft has changed significantly because now you have two teams, the Packers and Chiefs, that were supposed to have their number one receivers going into the offseason that no longer do, which just completely shakes up the entire first round of the draft because, again, Green Bay and the Kansas City Chiefs, they each have two first-round picks this year. And this the, the whole theme of this year's draft is basically who loads up on the most picks and maximizes the value and selection of those players. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to see how this has played out. You know, going into this thing, you were not a penciled in the Chiefs or uh, the Green Bay Packers to be actively looking for a wide receiver. But again, now that they have two first round picks and they've gotten rid of those guys, it, it changes everything. I think 
Um, it's why we have to, uh, at least I think for um, our preview for the lottery series, kind of have to split this into two separate parts, which is what we're going to be doing here, because we have a lot of guys to talk about here, but we also have to talk about the fact that, you know, the Bears strategy at wide receiver may get impacted by all the movement going on at wide receiver uh, in the NFL right now. So let's talk about the details of uh, this trade first. Uh, the trades first, uh, starting off with Devontae Adams getting traded to the Las Vegas Raiders uh, for a first round pick and a second round pick in this draft. I believe it's a 22nd and 53rd overall selections that the Packers are getting. And Adams for about a, a couple days, uh, was the highest paid wide receiver in football, making about $28 million per year. I think it was a five-year, $140 million, something like that. Crazy high number. Adams uh, reunites with his old friend from college, his college roommate, uh, Derek Carr, who played the bet together at Fresno State. And then only a couple days later today, uh, we get the big news that Tyree Kill couldn't come to terms in a long-term extension because he raised his asking price for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, once Devontae Adams got his big extension, uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs were not willing to meet that price, evidently. So they ship him off to the Miami Dolphins for first and second round pick in this year's draft as well. And some day three picks thrown in there to go along with that. And Tyree Kill got a four-year, $120 million. So $30 million per year for uh, Tyree Kill. Just ridiculous amount of money going on. Uh, being thrown out these wide receivers. Wide receiver market in general just exploded uh, this offseason. It started off, started off with Christian Kirk getting a, a ridiculous contract in free agency to Jacksonville Jaguars. And it, it, it kind of laid the groundwork of if you want to get a premium number one wide receiver, which I mean, Christian Kirk isn't, but Adams and Tyreek Hill certainly are. I mean, they're probably the two most impactful best wide receivers in the game right now. If, if you want to get those guys, uh, you got to be willing to pay up in terms of draft picks, and in terms of money. And uh, it kind of makes things interesting for the Bears now because, like we kind of said, uh, you know, the Packers and Chiefs, they're probably going to be going first in the first round with the wide receiver with one of their uh, first two uh, first-round picks uh, in this upcoming draft. And you look at some of the other teams that need wide receivers in this draft. The Lions need wide receiver help. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they might go with another wide receiver and help out Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the Jets, they were in on the Tyree Kill deal as well they might want to get another wide receiver. Um, you know, there are a bunch of other teams that could look to upgrade here. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are going to be, I think, in the market for wide receivers still if they decide to trade up in the second round. Um, you know, the Eagles could be in the market for a wide receiver. The Falcons could use another wide receiver because, you know, everything going on with Calvin Ridley, they trade away Julio Jones last year. So point being, there are a ton of teams that are going to be looking to add wide receivers in this upcoming draft. And I, you know, it leaves the Bears in an interesting spot because they don't have a first-round pick. They have two second-round picks, but they could be in a you know stuck in a spot where a lot of the top guys in this draft are going to be gone. And there are a lot of quality wide receivers, but there I just have a feeling you say that they're going to be flying off the board early and often, um, just because there are a ton of a ton of really good guys at the top of this class that we'll be getting here to here in a little bit. But also, teams are in need of wide receivers at the top of this draft. And I think they're, you know, with the way the game is trending, where uh, wide receivers becoming more and more important, um, they're going to emphasize these guys earlier and earlier in the drafts as we go along here. Right. And if you look at the way that the game has changed just over the last 10 or 12 years, what's kind of happened is that before you just needed one number one wide receiver and a good quarterback, your offense would be set. Now it's like you need two, three, or even four. Your wide receiver, four better be not just someone who's a special teams contributor. It better be somebody that's 
can play regularly on pretty much any down. When you ultimately look at kind of what's going on, I think, you know, when we look at the whole situation in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill, I'm not necessarily surprised because I think if you're Tyreek Hill and the way that the trade kind of went down, like I said, I'm not surprised because if you're Tyreek Hill, you're looking at this and you're saying, hey, I'm doing more for this offense than any other wide receiver is. I'm the number two guy in this offense behind Patrick Mahomes. I rightfully deserve to get my big extension. I rightfully deserve to be paid like one of the highest paid wide receivers in football because again, the impact of Tyreek Hill's shown on film every single time. When you look at a guy like a Devontae Adams, the news came out last Thursday when Adams was traded that Aaron Rodgers pretty much knew Devontae was not going to be back, but Aaron Rodgers decided to go ahead and sign that new extension. Anyway, that there tells me something that's very telling. Number one, Aaron Rodgers is more loyal to the Green Bay Packers and wants to get his money than he is to Devontae Adams. The two have seemed to come best buds over the years. But number two, there's also something we said is that if you're a guy like Devontae Adams and you're going into your seventh or eighth season and you kind of are tired of losing year after year, so naturally it's very understandable as to why you want to go ahead and kind of force your way out and start really fresh, start with a new change of scenery. You know, you look at all these just trades that are happening and wide receiver you're right man it's becoming more and more valuable and now i think in the context of the bears just as soon as i wrap this up here in the context of the bears what's going to happen is we knew going into the nfl draft and this offseason irrespective of a lot of the trades such as the adams trade or the amari cooper trade as well as the tyree kill trade we knew the bears were never going to be in position for one of these top guys like a drake london or a chris olave or a Jahan dotson even a Garrett Wilson. I know that throughout the fall, everyone on Bears Twitter was all about David Bell. Everyone seemingly was all about a guy like a Sky Moore or a George Pickens. But there's something kind of to be said is that if there is not a quality wide receiver in the second round, because these guys have flown off the board, Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham, they are going to have to hit on some hidden gems in round three, as well as round five, the next two picks the Bears have after the second round. So this is something where, you know, I'm not going to say the Bears' hands are tied, but certainly a wide receiver or two could slip here or there. You never know what goes on on draft night, but it just reemphasizes the importance of having a really good scouting department to be able to find those hidden gems because those are going to be the guys that ultimately start to form the foundation of this roster. Well, I think this gets interesting for the Bears when you look at their situation to kind of add on what you're saying is, you know, not only do they need, do they need to evaluate this well, but they need to make a decision here because, um, you know, they're kind of at a spot at 39 where most of the big name guys that could be in day one impact guys for them um, right away might be gone. Like even like some of the guys that we haven't talked about, like you mentioned Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, um, as guys in the second round that could be available, Sky Moore. I mean, those guys could not be, they could be off the board by the time they get to 39, just because of the nature of the position and teams being needy for these guys. So, I mean, the Bears, they could be looking at this and saying, okay, we may not be able to get an impact day one guy. Look at their depth chart right now. You have Darnell Mooney, who is their number one wide receiver, and then Byron Pringle, who they brought in on a one-year deal. And after that, there really isn't anything there. So it's, you know, they're in a tough spot where they need, they absolutely need to get impact, um, a day one impact guy uh, with one of those second round picks and a wide receiver, because if they don't, they're really putting Justin Fields in a really tough spot uh, going into his second year. And the second year for a young quarterback is 
And when you look at some of the data in recent years, has proven to be the most important year for these quarterbacks because that's when you kind of see, um, you know, whether this guy can play or not in his second year. Obviously, he doesn't tell you what his ceiling is. It's usually like year three, year four. Once you get more information, once they arrive in the league, that's when you kind of see like where their ceiling is. But in terms of determining whether he's a guy worth even investing in to build around, the second year is critically important. If, you know, if Justin Fields doesn't start to flash and improve in his second year, uh, I mean, you're going into year three, uh, as Ryan Pohl is running this organization, his second year running this team, and you don't know when you have a quarterback because the talent situation around him right now just isn't there. So I, I kind of it kind of brings the dilemma of, you know, do you sit there and do you wait at 39 uh, to, to, to kind of see if one of these wide receivers can fall to you, or do you trade up trying to get one of these guys, which I prefer they not do, or the third option would be do you look to the trade market or the free agent market and try to see what your options are. You know, in free agency right now, there aren't a ton of options available. Julio Jones, you know, he just got cut, but he's an older player. You know, I think he's going to want to go to a contending team like the, you know, he could reno with his old buddy, Matt Ryan with the Colts, uh, now that he got traded to the Indianapolis Colts, which, you know, we're, we're talking about these, these Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams trades, but can't even go over the fact that we have like all these quarterbacks getting traded over the last week or so as well. I mean, there's just a ton of stuff going on in the NFL, but, you know, Julio Jones, probably not an option for the Bears given um, the timeline here. Um, you know, do they go to a Marquez Valdez Scantling who, you know, his market, I don't think has really been what he thought it was going to be going to the free agency. You know, it sounded like MVS wanted to get that big payday hasn't really materialized for him. He, you know, he's actually visiting the Kansas City Chiefs right now to kind of be that Terry kill quote unquote replacement, so to speak, you know, being that deep threat. Um, but he could wind up back in Green Bay as well. After that, there aren't a ton of really great options for the Bears to explore in free agency still. So you're still looking at this where even if they add a guy in free agency, you know, they're still going to need to add somebody that can give you day one impact in the draft. So there's your options for free agency. They've kind of let the market play itself out in that department. And it's, it's dry right now. There's really no one there that's going to give you what you need um, going forward uh, for this 2022 and 2023 season. Where the trade, when we get to the trade market, though, that's where things get very fascinating because there are still some potential trade options here that I think could really be in play for uh, the Bears here. And, you know, some of the big names I think to bring up here, uh, Brandon Cooks and the Houston Texans, you know, the Texans are going to be in full fire sale mode right now. Brandon Cooks going into the last year of his deal. I know, you know he's not a young guy, but, you know, he's still 28 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He's coming off. Uh, I think back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He's a perfect uh, skill set fit. It's a perfect scheme fit for the system as a deep threat, as a, as a guy who can attack the, the intermediate deep parts of the field. Really nice style fit for Justin Fields. You know, do you maybe say that uh, you can try to get him for like a day three pick or something? That could be an option right there. But the, the big fish here that I think is going to be the next domino here is DK Metcalf on the Seattle Seahawks. Now, this is purely speculation, but you know, the Seahawks, they trade away Russell Wilson earlier in the offseason. Do they try to move DK Metcalf here to the highest bidder? Because DK Metcalf going to the final year of his contract, he's going to be looking to be that next guy getting a you know 20000000 million-plus type of contract here as a true number one dominant wide receiver. You know, do the Bears want to get in on that market and use maybe one of their second round picks or a future first round pick potentially to try and get in there? You know, what are your thoughts? Any other options that you think could be available to the Bears if they decide to go with more of a proven route in the trade market or free agency? Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, Brandon Cooks is 
probably one of the biggest dominoes to keep an eye on because the Texans, again, it, it's like the Texans for the last couple of years, irrespective of the whole Deshaun Watson saga have kind of been one of the biggest messes in the NFL. Now I do look at what's kind of going on around the league. I mean, listen, Robert Woods, a veteran wide receiver who's been very productive by the way, but is coming off ACL surgery just got traded for, I believe it's a 2023 sixth round pick. Now one name that I think was being floated around bears Twitter today, just that I saw from a couple of people would be Devonte Parker of the Miami Dolphins. You look at Devonte Parker right now, you look at the Miami Dolphins. They've been very aggressive. They got Teron Armstead. They are, bringing back Jalen Waddell, a speedster from the 2021 NFL draft. And so ultimately it brings up this question is Devonte Parker, the odd man out. Now am I saying take a chance on Devonte Parker? Not necessarily. Is he a name to monitor though? Yes. Because again, has Devonte Parker ever been a top 15 wide receiver in the league? Absolutely not. But in terms of production, the guy is really consistent. Now, just knowing Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham, kind of the way I see the Bears doing this thing is that they take a wide receiver high in round two, even though I know I'm kind of contradicting myself. And I said that there's a chance that none of the best names are available there in round two. But I could definitely see the Bears taking a wide receiver high in round two and then kind of doubling down in probably the fifth or sixth round and taking another wide receiver there, hoping to hit on a hidden gem. Because if you look at Ian Cunningham with the Philadelphia Eagles, something that was very interesting was just the fact that Cunningham was one of the guys responsible for the drafting of wide receiver Quez Watkins. And, you know, Quez, I think, has become a solid option in that Eagles offense. So ultimately, when you look at this, right, Poles has basically shown, Poles and Cunningham has shown us that they understand how to scout wide receivers, but it's just going to be up to figuring out who's going to be the best possible option. You know, Metcalf's not a name that I would go ahead and, to be honest, trade for specifically because he is going to cost a bit too much in terms of draft capital. And I mean, listen, Ryan Poles has already shown us that he's more committed to his draft capital than he probably should be. Well, I'll touch on this for Metcalf. Uh, interesting question. I'll bring up to you. You said, you know, the Bears, they do have some trade assets here, assets here on the roster that they could maybe try to use to entice a team like the Seattle Seahawks uh, for uh, you know, a guy like DK Metcalf or even maybe a Tyler Lockett. So I'll bring this question to you. You say, do you consider, you know, who's the best trade option on the Bears right now? Who's the best trade asset? I would say Roquan Smith is their best trade asset. You look at him, a young ascending player. He's going into a contract year, but he's one of the best linebackers in football. You know, do you make that consideration of, you know, if we can't get a deal done with the draft picks, do you maybe try to see if you can, you know, entice the Seattle Seahawks who just released Bobby Wagner uh, to see if maybe they can, you know, swing a deal with Roquan Smith to maybe get a number one wide receiver for your own quarterback in DK Metcalf. You know, what are your thoughts on uh, potentially pulling that off? I mean, listen, there's arguments that are yes and no for it, but I would ultimately lean towards no. And for a couple of reasons, number one, you look at Roquan Smith. I mean, he's by far been the most productive, but also one of the best players on the Bears defense. And number two, you look at age. I mean, he's only, whatever, 24, 25 years old. So he's still relatively young. Number three, you look at Matt Eberflus and just the work that he's done with some of these linebackers in the past, namely Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker, who just re-upped in Cleveland for a couple of years. And it's nothing short of phenomenal. So 
you know, when you look at this, like Roquan Smith is without a doubt the unquestioned face of the defense going forward for the next 10 to 15 years, hopefully. But then ultimately also look at this and say that Eberflus is going to want a player like Roquan Smith into defense. Now, I certainly see why people are even considering should we trade Roquan Smith? There's two things to understand here. A Roquan Smith trade is not going to come without a contract extension. It's just the way that the NFL is going now, okay, is that these players that are going into whatever, the last year or two years of their contracts, they want a contract extension before being traded to another team. And why? Because they do not want to deal with anything up front one or two years down the road in terms of having to go ahead and basically – get a new deal or renegotiate. They want that long-term job security. They want the money locked up ASAP. But you could make the argument that, yeah, you do make that trade. But then again, it's going to take more than Roquan Smith. You're talking about what type of draft capital is this going to take? You know, Are the Bears going to get anything in return? And so those are two questions that I think people seriously need to consider instead of just throwing trade names out there. I mean, look, there's still people on Bears Twitter that are throwing out names like – Robert Quinn for a day two or a day three pick. Well, at the end of the day, listen, let's be honest with ourselves. Like Robert Quinn's past the point where I understand he had 19 sacks last year, but he's past the point where he's going to net you a day two pick, which is usually a second or third round pick. It's just not going to happen. You know, we've seen edge rushers and pass rushers that have been far more productive than Robert Quinn over the course of their careers, like a Calais Campbell go for fourth and fifth round picks. And so ultimately, you know, the Bears' best trade asset right now in terms of values are Roquan Smith and Justin Fields. Darnell Mooney's up there too. But then you look at the roster and a lot of these second-tier trade options like a Jalen Johnson or a Travis Gibson, they are not going to draw much in return. And so for the Bears, it's kind of just sticking, as much as I hate to use this type of 76ers cliche, they're just going to have to trust the process and kind of stick it out until next offseason, which is going to be the true offseason where Ryan Poles is going to get an opportunity to do anything he wants his way. Cause this year he's still, whatever that he's doing right now is the Ryan Poles way, but it's also hampered by the mess that Pace and Nagy left. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, last thing I'll say on this before we get into the draft here and break down some of these wide receiver prospects, that if you were to tell me that the Bears could get Roquan, uh, DK Metcalf or Roquan Smith straight up, like that's a move you make 10 times out of 10 times. Like any, if you get that offer, you take it and you run away from it because 
uh, you just run all the way to the bank with it because, uh, you know, Roquan Smith, as fun of a player as he is, as you know, awesome as he is, as a linebacker, as a leader for this defense, I'm sorry, he just doesn't bring the same value as a number one wide receiver like DK Metcalf, who, you know, is a game-changing talent and a perfect fit for what you want to build on offense as that, you know, big-bodied X receiver deep threat for Justin Fields in this offense. Um, just the value of having a, that number one guy is way more valuable than an off-ball linebacker in today's NFL. And I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. It's the way this game is trending. So if you get that deal, even if you have to maybe throw it in, you know, a day two pick or two to kind of seal it, I, th- I think that's something you have to consider. If you're Ryan Poles, I don't think it's going to happen because of all the, li- all the reasons you listed. You know, Ryan Poles, you know, he's still in his first year at this. Maybe he doesn't want to shake the boat too much with big moves, adding to the roster. Maybe he wants to take a year to kind of, you know, feel this roster out and, and see, you know, if he can wait one offseason and, you know, make his big moves in 2023. Certainly possible. Certainly, Iberfus, he may want to work with Roquan Smith long term. But I just think of it as like this, like Roquan Smith. You know, the Bears are probably going to have to make a decision on whether they're going to extend him and give him a $20 million per year contract that's probably going to be the top paid linebacker in the NFL going forward. You know, would you rather use that $20 million on a linebacker or wide receiver? So that's just kind of the, you know, that's some of the thinking that they're going to have to kind of go with here as we, as we move forward here. Um, you know, it's possible that polls may think differently. I think that's definitely the case here probably for me. But just trying to see um, – you know, some different options here for the Bears as we, you know, enter this draft here because, you know, the, the well is drying up here for wide receiver talents to add to this roster. And all the intention now is going to have to go to the draft here soon for the Bears to add talent wide receiver because it's a critically important position to fill uh, this year. And we'll just have to see what their strategy is moving forward. But speaking of this draft, you said, let's get into these prospects now and start going over some of the top guys in this draft. Now, uh, usually what we've done for our position previews is that we've gone through our top five uh, players at the position, uh, sleepers, overhyped players, going through all those guys that we want to list. Uh, for this position group, though, it's a little bit different because, you know, it seems like every year now we have uh, these wide receiver classes are just insanely loaded, whether, um, you know, they really ha- have a lot of high-end talent at the top or just a ton of depth. Like wide receiver year after year after year, I feel like is one of the strongest groups in every single draft that we've seen over the last few years. And it, I, I don't think that's a trend that's going to be stopping anytime soon. Like wide receiver is the new position um, for premium talent coming in, coming into the league. Uh, there is a ton of supply here of really talented players coming into the NFL at that spot. So um, what are we doing differently today is instead of getting to our sleepers and overhyped guys, we're just going to go through our top 10 wide receivers each in this class today. And then for a later episode, get to our sleepers and maybe some overrated, overhyped players uh, we want to discuss as well. But today, let's just stick to our top 10 uh, wide receivers in this 2022 NFL draft class. Um, before we get into that, though, you said, what are your thoughts on this wide receiver class as a whole um, before we really dig into the individuals that make it up? Look, it is about as deep as it gets. Now, one thing I think that you look at this 2022 wide receiver class compared to kind of the last two seasons is it's like the last two NFL draft cycles, we had guys like Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy as well. I believe that Cortland, well, Cortland Sutton was drafted in 2018. But, you know, the last couple of years, you ultimately look at the wide receiver class. You know, we've had Judy, Ruggs, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith even. So there's been a lot of talent that's kind of come out. But ultimately, when you kind of look at it, I would say that this draft is deeper 
than the last two drafts, not just because of the talent that you're going to see fly off the board, like a Drake London, a Jamison Williams, or a Garrett Wilson, or even a Chris Olave. It's deeper specifically because when you look at rounds two and three, there's so many players like a Jalen Tolbert, like a John Mechie the third, like a Calvin Austin, like a Khalil Shakir, Justin Ross, even Romeo Dobbs, you know, all these guys that in any other draft class probably would have been round one or round two picks that are now going to be there in the second, third, fourth round for the Bears. So there's so much talent. It's just a matter of who can go out and capitalize. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say for this draft class, the top of this draft is not as uh, talented as previous years when I look at, uh, just for instance here, like I thought last year with Jamar Chase uh, and Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, like I thought that trio of players right there uh, was much better than the top of this draft class in terms of wide receivers. And then you go back to 2019, I believe it was, like CeeDee Lamb, uh, Jerry Judy. Uh, I, I like those guys all, you know, a little bit more than these players in this draft as well. But I think the depth is, there is a ton of depth in this class. Like I have uh, right here in my notes here, I have 10 guys. Uh, my, like my top 10 is all guys I would pick in the first two rounds of the draft. That's very rare. Usually it's like six or seven, maybe eight if we're lucky. But right now I'm, I'm at about 10 or 11 guys that I'm comfortable taking in the first two rounds of the draft. So there's a ton of depth here. And that's not even getting to like round three, round four, where there's a ton of players where you can get good value as well. So just a, a lot of dudes here to go with. Uh, a lot of options for these teams here. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of these guys, like we kind of said before, may not even get to the Bears, but if they do get to the Bears, uh, they could find themselves a gem in the second round who could give them impact right away. It's just a matter of whether the cards fall for them and that's in that aspect of things. But uh, before we get to all 10 of them, uh, let's just stick with our top five as for now. And uh, you say, I'll start with you. Who are your top five guys um, you know, some of the guys you're looking forward to seeing maybe in the first round in this draft, really the elite of the elite of this class. Yeah, so number one, I've got Jamison Williams from Alabama. Number two, Drake London from USC. Number three, I've got Garrett Wilson's from Ohio State. Number four, I've got Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Number five, I have Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Overall, just when you look at these top five names, it's interesting because Jamison Williams, a name that you look at, really fits the modern-day mold of an NFL wide receiver. He's just so quick and so fast, got really good agility. It's just so monstrous when it comes to yards after the catch. Really good when it comes to separation. So throwing into a tight window is not going to be an issue for a guy like Jamison Williams. He's going to be able to kind of haul in any pass. And then he's got really good ball skills too. You know, you look at kind of his rise to stardom. It was pretty much, he was at Ohio state, wasn't getting much playing time. Didn't see much playing time the first couple seasons at Alabama too, because of a loaded wide receiver room, but then really burst onto the scene in 2021. So him just being a prototypical NFL wide receiver is, you know, what makes him just so enticing. A lot of people look at the way that he moves, you would assume and say that, okay, he's someone that's 5'10", 5'11". No, he's actually like whatever, six foot one, six foot two. you know, so he's one of the bigger wide receivers in this class. But to move the way he does, yes, wide receiver one all the way. Number two, I've got a Pac-12 guy, which I believe th this honestly, Drake London is probably, I feel like the highest I've ranked up 
Pac-12 receiver in I don't know how long. But you look at Drake London, you know, you're getting somebody who kind of reminds me a bit of DK Metcalf in the sense that he's a big bodied wide receiver, certainly up there in terms of his weight. So he's like six foot five, six foot six, about 220, 25 pounds. Now I look at Drake London watching his tape the other night because I just wrote a scouting report on him at Bay Report. Go check that out. There's a couple things to understand here. Number one, he does not have dynamic speed, but he's a really good route runner. Now he doesn't win with separation either, but he does get open enough. You know, he turns those 50-50 balls into 70-30 balls. Advantage um Drake London all the way. And I think a lot of it kind of goes down to just the basketball background that he has too. He, you certainly see shades of that transferring over to the football field. I will say this, what I like about Drake London is that you can play him both outside or in the slot. So he's a bit of like, and I'm not saying he's Devonte Adams like by any means, but he's a bit like a bigger wide receiver in Devonte Adams or DK Metcalf in the sense that you can just go ahead and move him like all over the field. And then I've got Garrett Wilson from Ohio state. Um, I will get to Chris Olave later. I promise you guys, but you know, really what I like about Garrett Wilson is just the fact that he's a true vertical threat, you know, and you've seen quarterbacks with big arms, mainly like a Justin Fields that kind of thrive off wide receivers that are just purely vertical threats. You know, I look at Garrett Wilson. I know that so there were times at Ohio state where he kind of went ahead and just played in the slot times. He was lining up opposite Chris Olave, but when he gets the ball in his hands, I mean, he's a really dynamic receiver. I really like the way that he runs routes. Okay. And the reality is this is that are his hands the best, not necessarily. I mean, there's a lot to improve on, but when you get him in space, it's virtually impossible to stop a guy like a Garrett Wilson. And then at number four, I've got Traylon Burks from Arkansas. You know, I really like what I'm seeing from Traylon Burks. It just seems like other people out there are not as high on Traylon Burks as I am. But when you look at him, I just see him as a big possession receiver. I see him as someone that can kind of run routes really well. He's got pretty good hands. Okay. Um, not necessarily the best separator, but there's a lot there to really like. And he's got really good ball skills too. Versatility, a big quality as well. Now, probably my personal favorite in this draft class is going to be Jahan Dotson, who comes in as my number five guy. I mean, you could argue the role he plays, he's a bit undersized in terms of his weight. Okay, he's about whatever, 5'11", 180 something pounds, you know, but he's a really tough, tough, scrappy, speedy receiver. You saw Penn State, the Nittany Lions offense kind of moved him all over the field, including both outside as an X, Y, or in the slot too. So you can play X, Y, or Z, you know, you look at a guy like Jahan Dotson, I think he'd be a great fit for this Kyle Shanahan type offense that the Bears are going to go ahead and run. He's a good route runner. He's dynamic, got really good hands too, able to really just concentrate real well and just locate the ball at those high points. So Jahan Dotson's a name that I think right now we're looking at as someone who's going to be drafted a bit later than he should, but certainly someone who's going to be electric from day one onwards. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at my top five here, I'll just go through my list real quick. Uh, number one, I have Garrett Wilson. I'll explain why I have a number one, but uh, all these guys, I don't have an early first round grade on any of these guys, but Garrett Wilson, he's a mid first round talent for me. Uh, in my opinion, he's the most well-rounded wide receiver in this draft class. He's my number one guy because of it. Number two, I Drake London being my number two guy as well. Um, again, mid first round talent. Um, I think he's the most polarizing wide receiver in this draft class. You know, him and Traylon Burst are probably the most polarizing guys just because you know, their style of play, you either love them or you hate them. But, you know, I'll get into more of that as we go along here. Number three, Jameson Williams out of Alabama for me. He's a mid to late first round guy uh, for me. Chris Olave is my number four wide receiver. He's a late first round talent. And then Traylon Burks, another late first round guy out of Arkansas. He's my number five wide receiver. Now I'll start with Garrett Wilson here. He's my number one wide receiver. And again, it's kind of like the reasons I said, he's probably the most well-rounded uh, guy who I think has the most potential uh, to be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Now, does he have the upside of guys like Jamar Chase or, um, you know, C.D. Lamb coming out of the draft? No, he's not on that level as a prospect, which is why I have him ranked a little bit lower than those guys were when they were coming out of college. Uh, but, you know, this guy has a lot of ability here. Um, very good route runner in terms of, you know, he knows how to set guys up. He gets separation in, in his routes, can run the vertical route tree pretty well. Um, pretty decent at getting yards after the catch. Pretty good speed. Um, you know, even though he's kind of listed as pretty small, he has good game size, it seems to me, when he's on the field and good game speed. So uh, he's one of those guys where he's just very solid all around, and I feel, just feel really good about his game translating to the next level where I don't think there's a lot of bust potential there. And, you know, he's got enough of that upside to where, yeah, he, you know, low bust rate, you know, and a high potential to be a number one wide receiver. You know, one of the reasons why I love Garrett Wilson as my number one guy. Uh, number two, Drake London, you know, you kind of said all the things that he's really good at here. Uh, he is a beast at the catch point. It's really what his game is. It comes down to, um, you know, he's the best contested catch guy in this class by a wide, wide margin. There's nobody even close. You know, it's funny. I actually, my, my player comparison uh, for him uh, when I was scouting him was Jimmy Graham. If you just said F it to him playing tight end in the NFL and just have him play big slot the entire time, because that's what he is. He's just, he's big. He's physical at the catch point. Um, he's a nuanced route runner, despite, you know, being tall and, and big um, at his size at about 6'4", 220. Um, but, you know, he runs good routes for that size. He does get enough separation and the type of separation he does get, it's kind of like that like quick separation where if you have a quarterback that is on the same page as him and is playing on time within the rhythm of the offense, he's going to get good separation to where um, he can just get just enough away from the defender to give an open lit window for his quarterback to get him the ball. And then he can make a clean catch on it. And if he doesn't get that separation, well, guess what? He's an absolute freak when it comes to, you know, just plucking it out of the air over defensive players. Like that's what he does. He just, he's just a beast at getting the ball on those contested situations. You kind of said it, it's 
you know, it's not 50-50 ball. It's a 70-30, 80-20, like 90-10. But Drake London, it's a 90-10 ball uh, with him when you throw it up there and just say, hey, just go up and get it on those jump ball opportunities. Back shoulder, he's got really nice ability on those as well. And I like about him is that he's actually very good after the catch as well. You know, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but, you know, for a guy as big as him, he's very quick. Um, and, you know, he can lower his shoulder and deliver, you know, some big hits after the catch uh, when he's rumbling forward against DBs. So, um, again, he's a player where, you know, he's not going to fit in all systems, I think, and he's not going to fit in all offenses. Um, so it's really an eye of the beholder thing where he's going to have to be put into some good positions to succeed. He's going to take a creative offensive mind to get the most out of him and put him in chances where he can have success because, He's not the fastest guy. He's not going to get a ton of separation down the field as a true outside X wide receiver against press coverage. That's not his game. His game is just playing bully ball uh, in the short to intermediate part of the field, getting enough separation in that area um, and just moving the chains. I wouldn't say he's like a pure possession wide receiver because he can get you some big plays, but that's kind of what his role is going to be in the NFL. And um, he can absolutely dominate in that area of the field. And that's why I think he's the number two guy in this class, because I think, you know, he's kind of a boomer bust projection because he could be one of those guys uh, like a Nikhil Harry where doesn't get a lot of separation. He's just a big tree on the football field that um, can't get open and, um, you know, kind of struggles to find rhythm with quarterbacks who aren't used to throwing to those big uh, contested catch guys. Um, or he could really pan out and be a guy like maybe a, a DeAndre Hawkins, who is not the fastest guy either or the most dynamic athlete, but um, just a beast of the camp catch point and can get yards out of the catch with his size and physicality. Um, and using those tools to his um, benefit there. So uh, Drake London, uh, I like his game personally. Again, I kind of compare him to Jimmy Graham. Um, if you just dropped him by like 20 pounds and, and play slot wide receiver all the time. So he's number two for me. Uh, number three, uh, Jameson Williams here. I, I, it was actually interesting because I was considering making him my number one guy as well. Um, but the ACL injury, I think it was late in the year, kind of puts a damper on that for me. Now, um, ACL injuries are not, the career enders like uh, they had, they used to be like 10 years ago, unless you're Tariq Cohen, apparently who, you know, has been recovering for his ACL for two years now and can't get that, can't seem to get that right, unfortunately. Um, but I don't think that's the case here with Jameson Williams. I think he's going to recover from it nicely. Uh, you just worry about the fact that, you know, he is a guy who's so reliant on his speed and explosiveness and quickness that um, any loss in that for him, uh, could be a detriment to his playing style. Now, he's not a bad route runner, but he's definitely not a contested catch guy for you. Again, he's not the most nuanced nuanced guy in this class. He's just pure lightning in a bottle speed. Um, Deshaun Jackson asked in terms of getting down the field, running the vertical route tree. A um, lot to like about his game overall, though. I, I think he's a stud at the next level. I think he's going to be just fine coming out the AC injury. You just might not see the results in year one as he's recovering from that, but I love his game. He's the best deep uh, threat in this class, and um, he's a dynamic talent for sure. Uh, number four for me, uh, Chris Olave. I think he's the most polished wide receiver in this draft class. He's certainly the safest, I think, in terms of bust potential. I don't think Chris Olave is going to be a bust in the NFL. I think there's zero potential of that happening because he is so uh, polished as a route runner. He's the best route runner in this class. He gets consistent separation. Um, maybe not the most physically gifted in terms of size or athleticism, even though he does have some pretty good top end speed. Um, but again, not the most dynamic athlete in the world. He isn't going to wow you, I think, in a workout setting, but he just runs really nice routes. He gets open. And if you put him in a situation where he's got a nice connection with the quarterback, 
he can actually do he can absolutely do some damage for you i think uh, at the next level as a number two wide receiver i don't think he's a number one at the nfl level but i think he's got the potential to be a high-end number two who just runs crisp routes and gets open all the time and plays on schedule for you kind of like a emmanuel sanders is what i compare him to uh going into the next level the number five Traylon burks again one of those polarizing guys where you know a lot of people either love him or they don't love him. And, you know, Burks for me, he would have been higher on my list if he would have tested better um, in the post, in, in the pre-draft process here at the combine and at his pro day. He really, he, he, he dropped the ball at the, at the combine in his pro day. And, you know, it's tough to say, but I mean, that's just reality situation here. He did not test nearly as well as I thought he would when I saw him play on tape. I thought he'd be a lot faster, certainly a lot more explosive. Um, but, you know, I, it doesn't put me out of favor of him all the way because I still think he is a, a very talented football player. You know, he, he doesn't run the fastest 40 yard dash in the world, but he's got natural game speed where if he gets the ball in his hand, he just goes, man. And um, he said he compares himself a lot to Debo Samuel, kind of like a bigger, more juiced up Debo Samuel in a way, because you, know, you can see it when he gets the ball in his hands, he has a natural after the catch at picking up tough yards and getting explosive plays once he has the ball in his hands. So um, I'm not worried about his speed not translating to the uh, to the NFL. I think it will. He just may not be the best tester in the world. But I mean, you look at him. He's six foot three. He's 225 pounds. I, this guy's big. He's strong. Um, he is fast when you put him in shoulder pads on a football field, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Now, I don't think he's a, a scheme fit for everybody. I think he's going to purely be best uh, suited in a Shanahan scheme, where you know he is going to get schemed open on. Uh, deep crossing routes, uh, underneath routes, screens, um, you know, short stuff where you can get the ball in space um, because I don't think he is the most nuanced route runner. Uh, he doesn't get a ton of separation there. He can get some contested catches for you um, down the sideline on goes, but you know, he's a guy where you want him to kind of run that AJ Brown, you know, Tennessee Titans offense where you run that play action and he's going across the, the middle of the field deep on a deep cross and he just gets the ball, get the ball in his hands and he just uses his physicality, speed and ball carrying ability and just goes uh, for a big gain at the second and third level there. That, that's Traylon Burks in a nutshell right there. So if you can get him in a system like that um, where he can just focus on getting open on those type of routes and um, getting the ball in space on, on wide receiver screens and jet sweeps and all that stuff. I think you're going to have a really fun uh, playmaker, a really explosive playmaker for you on your hands here. If you're expecting him to develop into a number one wide receiver, who's going to run the entire route tree right away though. I, I think you're sort of sorely mistaken. He's going to have to be put into a specific role early on before he's ready to take on being a, a full on number one wide receiver. Um, so with that said, let's move on to the second tier of six through 10 before we wrap things up here. You said, um, who is your six through 10 wide receivers in this draft class? Some guys that would be probably targeting on day two of this draft. Yeah. So, you know, for me, tier two is kind of fine as like late first round, early day two as well. Now I think the, there's two guys that fall into that category for me. Number one is Chris Olave from Ohio state. You look at him, he really reminds me of a Keenan Allen. Okay. He's not the tallest guy on the field because he's like whatever, six, one or six foot two, but then ultimately he's a really good technician in terms of his route running. He's just so consistent with how he runs those routes and just how he separates overall. He's one of those players where technique kind of just wins over the athlete that he is and the dynamic playmaking abilities. Although Chris Olave features that as well. And then I also really like Christian Watt 
Watson. You know, he's about six foot four, six foot five, 210 pounds from North Dakota State University. So you could say he's basically Trey Lance's best friend. What I like about Christian Watson is being one of the smaller school players in this draft class. He certainly plays like he's gone to a Division One school and a Division One powerhouse his entire life. Really good with the route running. Pretty good separator, okay? Got really strong hands, okay? I love the ball skills. And then he's just one of the most smartest and instinctive players overall. And then the versatility and the big playability that he has, those two traits kind of put him over the top. And I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of years we're looking at this draft class and saying, hey, Christian Watson, one of the best wide receivers that the 2022 NFL draft really went ahead and produced. Now, you know, eight, nine, and 10, I have David Bell from Purdue. You know, David Bell is one of those players who's just been so highly productive over the last couple of years. I'm not going to sit here and say he's the most versatile guy on the planet because I do think that he's just solely going to be an X receiver at the next level. In that sense, he is limited, but I also really like, you know, ball skills. He's just really solid overall, a consistent player, really good hands as well. Seems to always be just snagging the ball while it's in midair and then you know with bell one of the big things that he just needs to improve on is that can he kind of become better when it comes to separating you know that's going to be something where if you can't separate as a bigger receiver in the nfl you are going to go ahead and just have to be somebody that wins those 50 50 balls every time or you better have really solid hands and be a tough scrappy wide receiver and then an my ninth guy is George Pickens from Georgia. You know, he's been someone that Bears Twitter is really going ahead and just falling in love with. I think he's a perfect fit for just the skill set and play style that is Justin Fields. Pickens, really good route runner, awesome release, pretty good when it comes to separation, really good ball skills as well. Now, I'm not going to say that he's versatile or as versatile as some of these other wide receivers. I solely project him to be a X at the next level. And then the big playability certainly exists for him. He's just one of the more dynamic guys. I mean, listen, Georgia has not had elite quarterback play probably since the Matt Stafford days at this point. And so ultimately when you look at it, like Pickens is one of those guys that, yeah, is a reason that that Georgia offense was able to remain as consistent as it was. And then the last guy is a Mac conference guy. So that's wide receiver sky more from Western Michigan. I think overall, just one of the fastest players in this class, really good in the short and intermediate passing game. He's got pretty good separation as well. And then he's not dynamic in terms of run after the catch, but he does have really solid ball skills. And I think one of the big things that sticks out with some of these guys who go to these smaller D1 schools is just the fact that you see the growth from year to year to year, and it's just so noticeable. And you saw that with Sky Moore. So he got more productive as time went on at um, Western Michigan. And I think that's going to translate well over to the NFL. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, starting with my number six guy here, I'm going to have to go John Dotson, who's your number five wide receiver. 
um, out of Penn State, just really solid all around in terms of what he brings to the table. Now, he ran very well at the, 40, uh, at the combine in terms of his 40-yard dash. Um, so he's got good speed uh, to get down the field. Um, and, you know, he's got pretty good agility on the field when he's actually playing. Now, you know, his role will be interesting at the next level because he played more of like an outside wide receiver role at Penn State. But look at his size. He's, you know, he's about in the 170s, 180s in terms of weight at about 5'10", 5'11". So he's a small guy now. So, you know, we project him to the next level. Is he a slot guy at the next level? I think probably, yeah. He's probably best suited as a uh, slot wide receiver um, in the NFL at the next level. Um, but he does have the ability to play on the outside as well. What I like about him is that he's a very polished route runner. Um, he does create good separation and, you know, he plays bigger than his listed size. Like he has the ability to go up and get it on balls outside of his room. He's got a nice catch rate despite being a, a smaller guy. And his hands are really, really nice. Like if you throw an air ball to him and he's to just go up and snag it with one hand, like he's going to bring it down every single time. He can make contested catches. Um, you know, despite being a smaller, a smaller guy, uh, he's not afraid to play physically at the catch point, which I really like about him. So he's just one of those guys where, you know, he tested well enough for me um, to kind of prove where it can translate to the next level. And he just goes out there and plays. And, he, and he's, he's a gamer in terms of that aspect of things. He plays bigger than his listed size. And um, I think he's going to be a very rock solid pro when it comes to the next level. I have him as an early second round talent. It wouldn't surprise me if a team takes a chance on him in round one. Uh, speaking of another guy that I have as an early second round guy that could be drafted in the first round, uh, George Pickens out of Georgia. Uh, you know, it's funny. Going into this offseason, I think George Pickens, for a lot of people, would have been the, been the consensus number one wide receiver in his draft class. Unfortunately, he had a knee injury um, that he basically was recovering from all year, basically, basically until the very end uh, that he had to deal with. And when he did come back, he was not the same guy that he was um, in 2020 or 2019, I think it was, when that was his last big year um, as, a play, as a player at Georgia. Um, you know, the production was never really there for him. Like you kind of mentioned, the quarterback play at Georgia is extremely bad, um, which is laid out how it is. Like, the, it's not great quarterback play um, at Georgia. And it's kind of what has held him back before. This last year where they just had the best defense uh, we've ever seen in football, basically at, co at the college level, at least in the last decade or so. But, uh, you know, Pickens, you, what you like about him is that, you know, he's got very good size and position, even though he's kind of got a length, lengthy, uh, skinnier frame. He does have the ability to go up and go get it on the outside in contested cash situations. Um, he has some juice to go over the top and beat you deep. Um, he, he reminds me a lot of Michael Gallup in terms of, you know, that prototypical outside wide receiver who can beat you deep, you know, can beat you with route running underneath and in the intermediate, intermediate part of the field. Um, can get you some tough yards after the catch. Like he just does everything very well. Um, doesn't really have an elite skill set, but he has every trait you're looking for in terms of, yeah, this guy can be a dude for us at the next level. Maybe he's never a true number one wide receiver, but I think he's going to be a very nice number two for a lot of teams. And he, he definitely does have the upside to be a number one because again, the last two years, he's basically, basically been a wash because of injury. So, um, you know, if he can get back to full strength and full health, and you know, really start to put it all together now that he's you know healthy and can focus on just improving his game rather than rehabbing this offseason. I think he could be a stud at the next level. It's just a matter of uh, can he put it all together. Um, moving on to my number eight guy, it was very close between uh, uh, my number eight and number seven here. Uh, but Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, he's been a late uh, riser for me um, as an early to mid second round talent and 
the thing that stands out about Watson is that this guy is an elite athlete at the position. Uh, when you just look at his testing numbers, you know, four to three, you know, sitting at six foot five, I think 210 pounds. Uh, this guy ran a four, three, eight, 40 at the uh, NFL combine. This guy, you know, had nearly a 40 inch vertical, um, very explosive athlete overall. Um, and there's just, there's just a ton to like about Watson's game. Now, didn't have, you know, the gaudy production at North Dakota State. They kind of run a different system there uh, where it's a very run heavy, a lot of play action over the top. Um, it's not a gaudy uh, passing offense like we, we've seen at the, uh, you know, in the Big 12 or even in the SEC now where teams are throwing it all over the field. That's not what they do at North Dakota State. They are, they're a team that wants to run uh, down their competition's throat because they are a program that's bigger, stronger and faster than everyone they play at the FBS level, like FCS level, I should say. Um, so Watson, he was the number one guy for them uh, the last couple of years there. He was Trey Lance's number one target when he was there um, during his last season in 2019. Um, and the thing that stands out stands about Watson, Watson is uh, this guy is that, that athleticism. It translates to the field in terms of the vertical passing game. This guy is a natural deep threat. Um, you know, he is very fast, very quick for his size. Um, he can get separation and get open deep um, with his speed. And he's perfect for uh, that Shanahan offense in terms of kind of similar to what I described for Trillin Burks in terms of running the deep crossing routes where he can just, you know, run across the field deep and get open off of play action against his quarterbacks, just run away from them, basically. That's where he's best at, I think. Um, when he translates to next level, he can run the deep post, though. He can run goes and get open there, use his size to win contested jump balls along the sideline. Like, he has all that stuff. And what I like about him is that he's got an attitude as well on the edge where he's not afraid to uh, stick his nose in there and block. Um, he blocks his ass off for a wide receiver. When we look at his tape at the FCS level, you know, would that translate? I don't know. But, um, you know, he, he's a hardworking guy um, at wide receiver. So if you put him in – you know, a system like the Bears are running where they are going to want to run the ball a little bit more, I think. Um, you know, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty and, and block there on the outside and set the edge for you. You can do a lot of things with him as a blocker, I think, at the next level. Um, and he's a, a lot quicker and shiftier for a bigger guy than I think he gets credit for. Um, he, did not, he did not run like the three-cone drill or agility drills at the, uh, at the combine, so he doesn't have a testing number for that. Um, but, you know, he is, for a bigger guy, he can change direction, um, pretty nicely there well enough certainly to get open now is he the most natural route runner or separator no does he have inconsistent hands at time at times yeah and he is a little bit older as a prospect i think he's gonna be 22 23 years old uh when he gets drafted but um if you're just looking at guys with upside here christian watson has a ton of upside because guys that are as big um, and strong as him do not have the type of speed and explosiveness that he does and i think if you put him in the right situation he can be a fantastic player at the next level. Uh, going on to my number nine guy, another small school player, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Uh, he just strikes me as a guy who's going to play 10, 12 years in the NFL and just be very, very solid. You know, he kind of has a profile of being a slot receiver at the next level. You know, he ran well at the 40 yard uh, at the combine in terms of the 40 yard dash, you know, show off good agility there as well, good explosiveness for his side, you know. Not the most explosive, I guess I should say, but certainly not bad either in terms of that aspect of things. But just a very well-rounded route runner, knows how to set up guys, he knows how to get open, he separates well, 
He's got very long arms and big hands. So when you throw in his direction, he's going to catch it. He's got very good hands. Um, just a very safe, solid player. And, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be a star at the next level, but again, it, it it's kind of like that Julian Edelman thing where I just feel like he's just going to have a very long, successful career and just produce for you and put up big game, big numbers and big games and big moments for you because um, he, he does have that um, – clutch team so so to speak where he did make big plays for western michigan throughout his last season um just a very consistent steady player that i think is going to have a long career in the nfl and then my number 10 guy uh he's a late second to early third round talent for me uh jalen tolber of southern alabama um just a pure outside deep threat at the next level um he didn't quite run as fast as i thought he would at the nfl combine he was like a four or five uh high four four 40-yard dash. I thought he'd be more closer to like high uh, four threes, low four fours. Um, with, with that said, though, this guy is a, a natural deep threat at the next level. He's got explosive athleticism. Uh, he, he showed off at the Senior Bowl that he does have a little bit more wiggle and juice than he's been given credit for in terms of running uh, routes and getting open in the middle part of the field. Um, so he's not just a guy there just run goes uh, all day on and just expect him to win over the top for you. But, you know, that is his best trait, you know, put him on the outside, have him run go balls, throw it deep to him, uh, deep post, deep crosses, all that stuff. He's really good at. So, uh, Jalen Tolbert, I really like his skill set moving forward here and just a very, very solid player that I think can be a number two wide receiver in the NFL in the right situation where he's playing the right role. Uh, all right, so we're getting a little bit late on time here. So what we're going to be doing uh, is we're not going to be able to get to our sleepers and overhead prospects state the wide receiver position. So uh, keep an eye out for that in our next episode. We're going to be doing a kind of a quick breakdown of those guys for you in terms of our sleepers in this wide receiver class and our uh, un, you know our overhead guys in this wide receiver class. Uh, but before we wrap it up here, you say any last thoughts from you um, on this wide receiver on these top ten wide receivers as a whole before uh, we wrap it up here for this episode. Yeah, I would just say that I still expect a lot of moves to be made and that this draft board is far from complete. But I think wide receivers are going to be the most popular positional group that's going to be flying off the board in round one and two this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a position where we're going to see early and often these guys will be flying off the board. Uh, the Bears are certainly going to be an interesting spot at 39 if they're going to address this position and get any of the guys that we talked about uh, today on our show, but we'll just see what happens there. Ultimately, uh, you know, the bears at 39, 48, they have some picks to play with here in the second round. We'll see if any of these guys drops to them, but a very talented uh, wide receiver class, a very deep wide receiver class. And we'll just have to see how it shakes out moving forward. Uh, so anyway, I want to thank all of our listeners uh, for tuning into this episode of the picks for polls podcast. Make sure to like rate and subscribe to picks for polls on all podcasting platforms. Uh, in terms of social media, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Polls on Twitter. Um, you know, what we're going to be doing there as the draft rolls around in terms of getting, you know, updates for our content coming out, um, keeping up, you guys up to date and our thoughts in terms of uh, these draft prospects as we get through pro days and everything going on with about a month until the draft's coming up. You know, it's, it's coming up quickly, guys. So uh, just keep that in mind and follow us on social media. Uh, for you, you say, where can our listeners follow you on Twitter and social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Coach. You'll check out my work on the Bear Report. I'm going to have more of these wide receiver scouting reports coming out over the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give you say the follow. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at HAFreeman25. Make sure to check out my latest work I've done for uh, free agency for the Bears, grading their uh, latest signings in free agency, uh, at least some of the major ones uh, on the Bear Report. You can check that out. Going to be getting more into scouting reports as well as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. Uh, all right. I want to thank everyone for tuning in once again. Uh, it, you know, it's been a crazy last week of free agency, folks, so hopefully we get some more major news dropping for the Bears. It's kind of been quiet on their front recently, so uh, we'll see what happens there. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in uh, one more time, and you guys all have a great, uh, fun, and safe weekend. Bear down, Bears fans. We'll be talking to you next week. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.